Four years, the best podcasters from around the world have gathered to review, reminisce, and riff on popular franchises. They've assembled the Earth's mightiest superheroes, traveled to a galaxy far, far away, drank many martinis, shaken, not stirred, witnessed the battle of the Alpha Titan. Defended Earthrealm from Outworld. Get over here! <laughs> Busted their fair share of ghosts. Unplugged from the Matrix. I know Kung Fu. Kept a watchful eye on Gotham City. <laughs> Discovered the secrets of Jurassic Park and other audio adventures. But there were some movies that didn't make the cut. From the creators of Podcasters Assemble comes a movie hype series hosted by a motley crew of talent. Podcasters Disassemble. Oh, a second one. You knew it was coming. After you talk about the single aliens, you need the multiple aliens. Oh, they're everywhere. It's an infestation. You got to call somebody. No, not the Ghostbusters, because they're, they're, they're fucked. They're dead. They're not going to do anything. <laughs> but back again for another disassembled episode with the sequel to Alien, uh, the very creative term, Aliens, because there is more than one. My name is Zach from Podcasters uh, Assemble and Neatcast and FN Culture, joined again by the man, the myth, the legend himself, Eric Slater. How's it going? So much has changed. Not really. We're just back to talk about another movie again. But we're joined we're joined by a uh, a general badass. That's right. We got Ben Thompson on the podcast. Hey, yeah. I'm Ben Thompson. I'm from Badass of the Week and and I I'm not necessarily a badass, but I I do talk about them a lot. <laughs> See, I like to go with the idea that it takes one to know one, Ben. So, right. should you talk about them clearly? You must be. I understand the idea behind being badass. the The ability. The, it's not the understanding that's my failing. It's the uh, it's the execution. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for uh, for joining us for um, one of, personally one of my favorite movies. This is oh, without it, a doubt. for a long time it has been in my top five. I think it still is up there. Um, it is a amazing movie. Uh, of course, we are talking about the sequel, Aliens. Just tell me one thing, Burke. You're going out there to destroy them, right? Not to study, not to bring back, but to wipe them out. That's the plan. All right, people, on the ready line. I am me. Yeah. I am me. Yeah. Talk to me, Hudson. 
I got signals. I got readings in front and behind. There's nothing back here. Look, I'm telling you, there's something moving in. It ain't us. Get them out of there! After floating in space for 57 years, Lieutenant Ripley, uh, her shuttle, is found by a deep space salvage team. Upon arriving at LV-426, the Marines find only one survivor, a nine-year-old girl named Newt. But even these battle-hardened Marines, with all the latest weaponry, are no match for the hundreds of aliens that have invaded the colony which they skip over quite a bit there in their synopsis, but it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's worth uh, mentioning. I know we talked about this last time, but it's worth repeating. The first Alien is a straight-up horror movie. Yes. Aliens, on the other hand, is just pure action. Yeah, and that's something that we were, I figured we would discuss either in the beginning or the end. Um, both movies are great in their own ways. But before we get into that, mm. um, Eric, when did you first see Aliens? I think you already covered this last episode, but Ben wasn't there, so educate him. I did. <laughs> I didn't even so listen to that episode, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Zach still has to edit it. <laughs> oh, okay. That explains it then. I'm, I'm not yeah. a bad no, friend. Stop it. I just, no. It hasn't been released yet. Stop giving, <laughs> stop giving away the secrets. Don't do that. So, uh, like I said last time, um, I pretty much watched, I want to say, the first four Alien movies, like, back to back to back, like, back in middle school. I got them all from Blockbuster one day and just, like, ran through them, like, over the course of a week or whatever. Um, and, yeah, I just, like... I really fell in love with the first two movies, especially this one. Like this one really spoke to me, uh, like 13 years old or whatever. Um, (laughs) And then the third movie immediately like just tanked all my expectations for the franchise going forward. Uh, But we'll talk about that one again, you know, on a future episode. But yeah, no, Aliens is great. Uh, I freaking love this movie. I've seen it so many times. Ben, what about you? My first memory of watching Aliens was probably literally 1987. I think my I was at my friend's house and his parents, I was having a sleepover at my next door neighbor's house and his parents were watching it. And maybe my parents were there. Maybe it was like they were having a dinner party. I don't know what it was, but like it was late <laughs> and I was supposed to be upstairs playing with my friend in his room but they were watching aliens downstairs and there was a little spot. It was from like, he was on the second floor, but there was this little balcony and we could peek over and look down and watch the movie. So I was seven. Mm-hmm. And so we wow. like stayed up late and, uh, and watched the movie <laughs> like over the balcony, just like barely peeking over and like hiding, you know, cause it was like, we're not 
ready for this movie at seven years old, right? We were literally yeah. younger than Newt in this movie when we were yeah. watching it. Let's see. Oh, that's, oh, that's it's great. A, it's it's violent and bloody. Like, oh, it's R-rated. We got to see this, you know? And and uh, yeah, I remember it, remember it being very scary, but also like cool and like taboo. It was probably the first R-rated movie I'd seen, I bet. And because like I had kind of had to sneak it. Mm. And then... You know, I kept revisiting it because I had this kind of memory of it being like, you know, this kind of, you know, because my my parents liked it and my dad would talk about it being an awesome sci-fi movie. And I had like seen bits and pieces of it peeking over the balcony. And so I was always kind of like, oh, well, I, I want to watch this movie again, you know, and, and then it kind of just was always with me as as I was kind of growing up. I watched it and I liked it a lot. And then. I didn't see the third alien ever. I've never seen it. Cause I was just like, Whoa. I heard this. Yeah. Like it came out and, uh, yeah. I mean, I was in middle school when it came out and I never watched it. And then later some friends were like, Oh, you know, I didn't watch it cause I wasn't old enough to, to go see it. And then, uh, friends later were like, Oh yeah, everybody from the second one, I mean, spoilers, I guess for a movie from 20 years ago, but like <laughs> everyone who lived in the second movie dies in the first five minutes off screen in the third movie. Yeah. And I was like, well, that sucks. Right. <laughs> like yeah. for me, the, the, you know, Hicks and Newt and Ripley survive. And that had been my reality for 10 years. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so that was hard, but, uh, but yeah, love it. One of my favorite, one of my favorite movies uh, of all time. I, it's definitely in my top five as well. I, I think it's great. I think it's a great action movie. I think it's got great horror elements to it, and like mm-hmm. the the cultural significance of it in terms of like the the movies it inspired and the games it inspired and like the genres it inspired later on. Uh, I think. Can kind of be can kind of be underestimated because you know oh, yeah, the, all, that, everything no. that came after that that was like Marines on a space station getting killed by aliens could get <laughs> traced back to this movie, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I should point out I was watching this with the kids. They got really captivated because they had never seen it. They're like, "What year is this from? This looks really cool." <laughs> yeah, and uh, <laughs> um, they I think you know something about practical effects. You know that. You know, mm-hmm. practical effects, the way the cinematography, anymore. the way they're lighting it, like, you know, it, I, I am sure that those suits did not look awesome in, like, daylight. Exactly. You know, but yeah. they they're knew what foam, they right? had and they didn't try to, like, overfilm it and they were like, you know, mm-hmm. we'll keep these things in the dark, we'll backlight them with red light, we'll, we'll yep. flash them on the screen for a tenth of a second and it'll be scary. And it was. Exactly. Yeah. Less is more. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But... Um, the reason I brought that up was because they were like, oh, did this, was this inspired by Halo? I think it's what one of them asked. <laughs> and it's right. like, no, dude, no, this came out right. way before Halo. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah. There's all a, a lot of copycats of this movie in the late eighties, early nineties. So a lot of those like genre movies, but you can trace like, event horizon and everything that came oh, after yeah. that, all the dead space stuff, like any kind of like mm-hmm. space horror can kind of date back to this franchise. But especially when you're looking at like Marines fighting aliens, like it, it all comes back to, to this Basically, like this is kind of and a lot of that kind of gets lost because it's hard to kind of trace the history back. But this is this was kind of pivotal in creating this genre Mm -hmm. for totally agree for me. I was doing the math because I know what we talked about during Alien. I wasn't really sure of my age of when I saw it. But now because I remember specifically playing with the Kenner Aliens toy franchise that came out in 92. 
I saw Aliens before then, so I must have been eight or nine when I saw Alien and then Aliens, um, because I had a bunch of the Aliens toys from C- Series 1, uh, 2, and maybe a bit of... No, I don't think I got any of 3, but Series 1 and 2 in the early 90s I had. Nice. Uh, and this movie was amazing. I, I The first one... I remember being scary, and this one was a scare. It had scary parts. It had jump scares, but mm-hmm. like you said, it had transitioned from a horror film into a action, uh, not not an adventure, but just an action thriller, I guess, in a way, um, with horror sure. aspects to it. Very similar to Terminator, Terminator Two. Oh yeah, and that similar transition. Still, both great movies, but done differently and i think you could argue either way which one you know would would be a superior movie in your eye because i think was it Corey who was more of a fan of alien than aliens yeah that tracks yeah that sounds yeah and i depending on my day i could argue either one same with terminator i think i could go back and forth between either one because i like this one more because of the horror aspects but uh, Aliens is, again, one of my top five, I think. Um, timeless, timeless movie. Um, also, I'm not going to get into it at the moment, but mm-hmm. we will probably do a future episode, a Patreon episode, that will be encompassing the games that exist oh, because nice. one of the games retcons something you directly mentioned, Ben. Yeah, that's right. That's right. In Colonial Marines. One of the games retcons the death of a major character. Yes. Which oh, that's cool. Colonial Marines is canon. Yeah. And everybody was so mad that that Hicks dies that they had to kind of retcon it. Am I, am I stepping on the, the reveal here? But like That's fine. Yeah, in Colonial <laughs> Marines, they they retconned that Hicks died in the in the cryosleep. Because everybody, I think, was so mad. They liked him so much. Michael Bean is so awesome, and he's such an awesome character in this mm-hmm. movie that, like, everybody was sad that he died off screen between movies, right? And um, yeah, I think it's a good. I think it's a good move. If you're talking video games, sure. yeah. I had I, that same friend, right? Like, I had a memory that I just came into my head out of nowhere, but like, I remember seeing the cardboard poster. It wasn't a poster, but it was like one of those at the movie theater. They have like the cardboard, uh, like standups, like displays. Yeah. They had Mm -hmm. one for aliens and it was Ripley with the pulse rifle and newt. And like the aliens are coming up behind her. Uh, it's, it's the cover of some of the DVDs of the movie, but it was like a, a 3d cardboard standup in the movie theater. I remember seeing that and being like, dude, this is awesome. My dad was like, nah, you're not ready for this yet. But, uh, <laughs> but then we watched it and it was epic. awesome. And so I, going back to the preference, I prefer this to one, but only because I saw this 10 years before I saw one. <laughs> but I had uh, Aliens for the Commodore 64. And it was oh, insanely wow. <laughs> difficult. It was unbelievably wow, yes. hard. But Like the Batman 89 game. Oh my God. Yeah, this was <laughs> some of those yes. old games. Mission one of the Aliens Commodore 64 game was the dropship. You have to land the dropship on the planet. And there's these rings, oh and you, you're looking out the front window, the windshield of the dropship, oh, wow. and everything's shaking and moving. And it's Commodore 64, so it's just like pixels art, you know, and you're <laughs> yes. trying to fly through these rings, and it's freaking impossible. But if you could make That's it great. through that on like your 10th try, then you got to play 
where they're going through the operations room and you're shooting aliens with a machine gun. And that was like awesome. The first part sucked, but like if you could just really persevere (laughs) and this is like Commodore 64. So like you couldn't, there was no save state, right? Like you just, you had to restart the game from scratch and you had to beat that level (laughs) to get to the good part of the game. (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) That's awesome. We'll, we will have another uh, episode where we'll be talking about the different, uh, games uh, avp games was a big one that i play i think i've played every one at this point um but that that's what started us down this whole trek of aliens oh, yeah. was you know the release of prey on, yeah. on hulu so yeah we'll be diving into more and more of them yeah my brother was crazy about the avp stuff like he read all the books he had all the action figures like he was super into any but like before the movies like when they were doing the comic oh, books yeah. and all that stuff i think the first yeah the yep. darker stuff i think the first video game predates the movie like all that mm-hmm. oh yeah. yeah the the first avp well there was like a side-scrolling like fighter game i forget when that came out but the first person shooter the first That's one was of. late 90s 99 was when that one came out and I had no idea. It was Rebellion, I think, is who made it. That sounds right. Sierra. One of the two. You know those companies that don't exist anymore. They used to make games. <laughs> Rebellion's still all doing right. Sniper Elite. They're still hanging around. They still oh, do God, Zombie yeah, Army Trilogy right. and all those. <laughs> uh, Sniper Elite. I love those. All right. No, we're off track. Aliens. Aliens. All right. All right. So jumping into the movie. Uh, again, we're starting in space. Which is a great place to start. That's the tagline, right? Nobody in space, nobody can hear you scream. Exactly. Which is an awesome tagline. Practical effects, beautiful. Awesome matte paintings. Ripley is is sleeping her beauty sleep um, and with, with Jonesy. And then uh, all of a sudden a ship finds her. They pull her up into the docking bay. And then they apparently need to cut the door open. They don't have the key. They can't get in. Scanner. When it comes in, looks amazing. Again, oh, I love yeah. just the fog and the mist and just shooting through with the scanning laser. Amazing, Such a great shot. Amazing special effects. The crew then comes in. They find out that that she's alive and they're legit bummed because now they can't salvage. Like, damn it. <laughs> then we jump forward. We don't know how, how long it's been, but we, um, we see Paul Reiser from Mad About You. And uh, what he's Burke, Burke, I believe. Burke. Ripley wakes up. Burke comes in. Uh, he joins Ripley at the hospital. Uh, we find out, oh, he's a company man. Great. This is our first time of actually seeing someone from the company. We've All we did was talk about them in the mm. first movie. He lets her know that Ripley has been uh, floating in space for 57 years and that you know she, just by blind luck, was found by this deep space salvage team that came across her, um, drifted through all the core systems, one in a thousand chance, which they don't really explain why, why she missed her trajectory. Cause yeah. uh, I took it at the end of alien. She's like, all right, well, earth is that way. Here's my coordinates. Boom, go. They just make it sound like, ah, you fucked up. And luckily <laughs> y- you, you got seen by people. Well, have you seen the computers they're using? They're like from the 70s. So. It's, it's a Commodore 64. Well, yeah, exactly. It is. There's a lot using of variables 70s in com- space. 70s computers, uh, future, future of the 70s and 80s. Exactly. So while he's telling her that, she starts to uh, freak out, have, have a panic attack. But it's not just a panic attack. We have a chestburster about to come out of her abdomen, and then it's all a dream. I love and that fake out. Well, at the t- I mean, now that we know what the franchise does and how they treat characters from movie to movie, yeah. um, 
I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought that that was real. But now, if they ever do, I know the original Alien 5 that they were working on that went through development hell that's now canceled. If they started yeah. it that way... The Neil way, Blomkamp one? Yeah. Yeah, they were going to just ignore 3 and 4 and just go from uh, like 20 years after this. Kind of like what the new uh, Halloween movies did, I think. Yeah, and, and Ripley and Hicks were going to both be in it. That would have been awesome. They still need to it do that. Yeah, I, I hope they do at some point. But I wouldn't be surprised if they did that and actually killed her character just because, well, that's what we do in this franchise. You like yeah. this character? That's what a lot of the reboots of everything is doing these days. For sure. Did you like this thing? We're going to remake it and kill your favorite character. Hmm. <laughs> he's old and pathetic now and he's Isn't dead it great? Now. That's what you wanted. We got gotcha. you. Yeah. Man, I really hope they don't kill off Indiana Jones. I mean, I know this is definitely the last one, no matter what, but they don't need to kill him. No, <laughs> you don't need to. But Harrison Ford likes 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 to die. It seems it seems likely, Eric. <laughs> I think the sub I think it's called Indiana Jones Six Indy Dies. I think that's the subtitle of the movie. <laughs> this this whole scene is really clever. It's not just that it like sets the tone, but you get a lot from her character. Uh, and even though it's a dream sequence, it's kind of a clever info dump, you know? Mm-hmm. And we, we kind of established the stakes right out the gate with it. And you hit the audience, you're hitting the audience with a lot of like slow, long shot, exposition-y stuff at the beginning. And this is an easy way to like get some like violence and action in the first five to ten minutes of the movie and be like, this is what you're going to get. So like sit tight because yep. crazy shit's about to happen. <laughs> and uh you know there's it's hard to do that with the setup that they had so like it's good to get the violence and destruction in early mm-hmm. yeah especially since a lot of this is kind of a slow burn you know you got all the corporate stuff and all that which i like to it. it's know, great but, it's the reason it works is because yeah. you spend the first half of the movie like or the first third of the movie kind of building up to seeing the... one of these things but you got to show the monster yeah. in the first 10 minutes of the movie otherwise like you got to grab the oh, audience yeah. in exactly my favorite so bit, jumped. one of my things I like the most about this early bit is like, there's that shot of her with the, the entire cigarette is ash. Like, that's like yeah. an awesome, yes. I love that shot of just like, she's been sitting on this cigarette and she hasn't probably taken even a, a, a drag off of it. And the entire totally cigarette, which is, like, which is hard to do. It's hard to keep oh, that yeah. ash that, like, that long. <laughs> <laughs> So then we jump to uh, Ripley being essentially interrogated, uh, not really a debrief, um, but interrogated by the company on why she decided to blow up the ship. Because she has cost them $42 million. It's just all gone. And they don't, they've never heard of an alien like this. Nothing like this has ever been reported in over 300 worlds. Um, and, and, and she's like, of course you didn't find an alien because I blew it out the goddamn airlock. I'm not bringing <laughs> that back here. Right. So... They're adamant that, well, you're going to be, we're holding you responsible. You're being demoted. Um, Nothing like this has ever happened before. And she says, well, why don't you just send someone to LV-426, which is now the name of the planet that they landed on, uh, to go see if there's anything there. And the chairperson says, well, I don't have to because there's families there. There's colonists there. They've been there for, what was it, 20 years? Yeah, 20 years, something like that. 20 years they've been there, and they, they never said it. anything about it. Yeah, they're, they're in the process of terraforming the planet. So then, I think this is actually where 
depending on what version of the movie you're watching, you get additional information. If you're just watching, I think, the standard edition, you miss this whole buildup of going to LV-426 because in the special edition, and I don't know about the director's cut, but we actually go there. And now we jump to Hadley's Hope and we see that um, 57 years later, it's still a shithole. Not much better. Um, And we see that the company is sending people out to the derelict ship from the first film. And again, we see these amazing practical effects in use. Um, Watching through the original theatrical version, you don't need this part, but I, I certainly appreciate and like seeing it because we get to we get to kind of see everything before it gets destroyed. We're seeing hallways. We're actually understanding the scope, which makes it that much more real later that you actually see the families and you see the kids. And what we know happens eventually, it makes it incredibly sad. Yeah. But all these, there were families and kids and you actually get to see them instead of beforehand. They're like, oh, there's families there. There's also and a we cool... only ever see Newt. Sorry. Uh, there's also a cool reference to uh, The Shining, that kid on the bike, uh, the little, uh, yes. what do you call it, tricycle? <laughs> tricycle. Yeah. Riding down the hallway. There's also, like, the implication here that, like, by showing that scene, because it's just, like, they're just basically, like, space truckers, which is what they were in Aliens yes. 1, Alien 1 also, right? <laughs> like, they're just space yep. truckers, and it's just their job, and it's it's, like, it's not, like futuristic sci-fi it's like grungy like you know truck stop sci-fi and and it's cool but also like there's an implication here that perhaps like because we see ripley get interrogated and then we cut to these guys investigating the ship which implies that like for 57 years they didn't investigate this ship perhaps they didn't know where it was and there's an implication here i keep saying implication but there's an implication here Mm -hmm. that wayland yutani sent these people to the coordinates of that ship to investigate it, right? Like, in 57 years, they didn't go here. Like, in the original version, it's like, oh, well, everybody's dead. Oh, we already have colonists there. Oh, they're all dead already. But with the, when you add that scene in, she's like, I went here and we found these eggs and everything, and this monster's killed everybody. There's an implication that, like, Waylon Yutani sent those coordinates to Hadley's Hope and were like, hey, we got some reports that there might be a crashed ship here with some weird stuff on it. Can you go investigate they don't show that specific that, scene, but why else would they be driving there at that exact moment? So that does, I'm glad that you brought that up because that the whole lead up that we saw at Hadley's Hope, they mentioned, oh, hey, we're, we're, we sent these people out there and they don't say why. But later on, um, I definitely saw it in the special edition. I think it's in the theatrical. It actually comes up why they, they did that. And we'll get to that later, later on. So back at the ship, uh, we see Newt's family which we don't see in the theatrical version. And mom and dad are out in their own rover exploring. And they decide, the parents decide, oh, we're going to go in the ship, the same ship from Alien. And Newt and her brother stay in the uh, ship and they're, or in their rover. They stay there for a while. And then lo and behold, dad gets face hugged. Mom drags him back to the rover and begins um, calling for help. And then we jump right back to Ripley, who is in her... Um, apartment, room, whatever this is. And Burke brings down uh, Gorman, who is our military man. And they let Ripley know that they have now conveniently, after 57 years of no issue, lost contact, or after 20 years, uh, have lost contact 
with the colonists of LV-426. Um, and, they, and they're trying to convince her to go back because she's the only person who's alive. She doesn't want to. She's fine. But Burke is a bit of an asshole and snidely, uh, you know, oh, so you're you're gonna go um, gonna go down to the to the loading bay and drive the loader. That's great. Well, if you want to come do this, we'll reinstate you. Ripley then uh, you know has another nightmare and figures, all right, look, if I'm gonna go back, she calls Burke with, with this amazing the amazing telephone video with the- <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> you guys remember those in the '90s when they first started doing them? It was crap quality. Yeah. Not nothing like what we're doing right now. Right, right. We're literally more advanced right now. Just three idiots in their basements, <laughs> <laughs> hydrating, drinking, whatever it is that we're doing. Right. Um, and she calls Burke and says, "Look, I, I you're gonna, you're not gonna bring these things back. You're not gonna study them because we learned in the first film that uh, when Mother detected this, that um, oh, what was the uh, what was the android's name from the first film?" Eric. Oh man, it's we just Bish- watched it's Bishop that, like, in last this week. one, but I can't remember his. Yeah, name Bishop's the, the current android. <laughs> yeah, the Hobbit, Bilbo Baggins. Yeah, Anyways, Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Bilbo was all right. We got to bring Ash, this thing Ash. back, and she wants to make sure Ash. That's Ash. Right. Yep, that was going to bother me. Thanks. <laughs> he wanted to. Ripley wants to make sure that we're not going to bring him back. We are going to wipe them out. And Burke gives him gives her his word. We are going to. Um, we're going to wipe him out. So Ripley says, fine, I'm in. But Jonesy, you little shit, you're staying here. That's probably for the best. Jonesy was oh, like yeah. directly responsible for the deaths of like four people in the last movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Without a yeah. doubt. I, I can 100% agree. So now we fast forward. I don't know. They never really give us a timeline. Um, weeks, I'm going to guess. it. It's mentioned later on of how long it will take for help to arrive, uh, which they I think they say 17 days. So I'm guessing it's been two, two to three weeks, and they're arriving, a Marine ship is arriving at LV-426, which this, this I would love to see this ship in battle. It's yeah. damn good looking yeah. as, a, uh, as a special effect, and the guns on it look very impressive. I love this model. Uh, and all the interior sets throughout this whole movie are amazing mm-hmm. uh they're top notch um but i i do want to point out real quick before i forget uh ben and i a few years ago actually went to a sci-fi uh museum um in seattle was it yeah I think they it have the seattle. science fiction museum here it's the science fiction hall of fame and museum it's called the museum of pop culture that's right but they have an alien there and, oh. and yeah like eric you were gonna say well, they had a lot of the uh, the props, the guns, and yeah. all that, and they look really good up close. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this yeah they have know, a whole display for me. it, and it's like uh, there's an alien, and there's a pulse rifle. Um, yep. There's a face hugger. There's a couple other things, but it's the practical effects from the movie, and uh, it's really cool looking. Yeah, like well, like what Eric Definitely. said, right? It's a science fiction museum. You're up, you're you know six inches away from a lot of this these movie props, and some of them you're like, man, they made that look real good with some movie magic, and, <laughs> exactly. and the aliens one, like it's like there's a there's a digital display in the pulse rifle, like right? That, That's cool. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't look like styrofoam when you're when you're standing next to it, <laughs> which is impressive. Right. They they do a good job with their props. So we, uh, we then we're looking inside the ship. It was called the Sulaco. Um, 
Glad to see that random spinny things from the 80s are still popular. Yes. We had the dipping bird in Alien, and now we've got the weird spinning magnet things here. <laughs> Everyone begins waking up. Uh, the Marines wake up, start gathering all their all their stuff, and then they question why Ripley is there, because she's a civilian. And they say, ah, you know, she's a consultant because she once saw an alien. And they're, they are unimpressed with her. Um, we also get a lot of really memorable lines during the sequence. And I know Corey <laughs> mentioned this last time about a uh, Arturian poo tank, whatever the <laughs> hell that is. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, chatter yeah. <laughs> among the Marines that is entertaining. And I don't know what it means, but it yeah. fits with the, it fits with the story. Yeah, I love for it. sure. I love, like you get a sense of these characters. Yeah, yeah, you get a, you get a, you get to feel a feel for all of them like right away. And I, I mean, I imagine we will talk about Private Vasquez at some point uh, because for she sure. was a character I wrote about on my website, Badass of the Week. At some point, uh, she's huh. probably my favorite character from this movie. Uh, but I love the line where they're like, "Hey, you ever get mistaken for a man?" And she's like, "I don't know. Do you?" <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. The first thing Vasquez great. does when she gets up, does pull-ups. Pull-ups, yeah. Yep. The first thing you do <laughs> out of hyper pull-ups than pull anybody watching the movie can do, right? <laughs> exactly. Oh, <yeah. laughs> so everyone's in the mess hall. Uh, we meet Hudson. We see Hicks. We see you know all the you know the main Marine characters, and then we do have some of the other you know cannon fodder characters. Uh, we meet Bishop. We see that he's handy with a knife, and then Ripley learns that he is artificial. And due to her um, past experience, wants nothing to do with him. Which, I don't blame her. Um, but we again, we see Burke being an asshole. It's like, oh, this thing that you talked about where you almost got murdered. I has completely slipped my mind. I am so sorry. My bad. Uh, but we do learn that Bishop can't and won't harm humans, or so he says. This bishop won't. During the debrief, now, we learn that Marines have encountered bugs before because they make reference to how this is going to be a bug hunt. But they've never encountered anything like this. Um, do you guys have any inkling of what other bugs these guys may have ever encountered in this universe? You think they're hinting at, like, a Starship Troopers crossover? Well, I mean, obviously, this, this predated... Starship Troopers, so that actually doesn't make any sense. Never mind. Does it predate the, it doesn't predate the <laughs> novel, though, probably. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it could have been a reference to, uh, what was it, Heinlein? Heinlein, yeah. Could be, could be just like, you need to like, from a writing standpoint, you need to establish these guys as like hardcore right away, right? We need to like establish yeah. that this isn't their first rodeo. They've done this shit before. These guys are veterans, like they're pros. This is more annoying to them than exciting or like, you know, dangerous. <laughs> you have to have like, yeah. it's a great just way of introducing these guys is they're just joking. They're cracking jokes. They're having a fun time. They're giving each other, they're hassling each other. They're annoyed that they got to be here. This sucks, right? Ah, oh, whatever. We're going to do this again. So I think it's a great intro to these guys. Like they think they're hot shit and we know that yeah. they're all dead. Right. We, as the audience know, these, <laughs> none of these guys is walking out of here alive. <laughs> not, uh, not that unsimilar from Predator when we meet Dutch and his oh, team. Yeah. Although with Predator, we didn't have the knowledge prior to like we do now, but they had a very similar setup with that team 
as a bunch of badasses. We do get to see them being a bunch of badasses. Yeah. Um, unlike here. And the vibe <laughs> with these guys is very slaughter. similar to the vibe from Predator, right? They're they're handling mm. themselves the same way the guys from Predator handled themselves, but but they're less cartoony. They're more believably mm-hmm. like Marines, right? Than the than Schwarzenegger and Jesse Ventura. Totally. And uh, which is cool. Like they're believable, and you're you know you think of them as these kind of like. They come across differently, and they don't come across as these larger-than-life action heroes. They come across as, like, cocky Marines. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially and, well, Bill that Paxton. Also, yeah. Yeah, well, that also <laughs> is because of, you know, the people playing the characters in Predator were big-time action stars compared to these guys who were not big-time action stars. They were playing the part and not being overshadowed of, well, I gotta have... I gotta have one-liners. I gotta say "stick around," yeah, you know, <laughs> at the most opportune moment. Mm-hmm. The word "bad" means not good, and the word "ass" means in contexts where it's not referring to a literal donkey. Well, you know. And yet, when we put these two words together, synergy happens. We reverse the polarity, and bam, badass. And that's where our new iHeartRadio podcast, Badass of the Week, comes in. I'm Ben Thompson. And I'm Dr. Pat Larish. And every week we're telling stories of the most badass figures in history, mythology, and even fiction. These are tales of ninjas, pirates, Vikings, scientists, and explorers full of guts, glory, and everything in between. And even the occasional badass dog. You mean like Goofy? I'm not talking about Goofy. I'm talking about Sergeant Stubby. I'm talking about war hero dogs. I'm talking about a bear named Wojtek that carried artillery shells for the Polish artillery during World War II. Nazi fighting walking bears. This is the show. Listen to Badass of the Week on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're a fan of this podcast and want to see it continue, help support us on Patreon where you can unlock tons of exclusive content, including, but not limited to, movie commentaries, ad-free versions of our promo specials, extended cuts, early access to new episodes, behind-the-scenes clips, first access to merchandise, blooper reels, and even a chance to vote on what we cover next on our podcasters' disassembled episodes. Just head right on over to patreon.com slash podcastersassemble. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash Podcasters assemble. Link in the show notes. So Ripley gives them the rundown, uh, you know, of the aliens and how a single one wiped out her entire crew. They don't seem that impressed because, again, they are badasses, as we have said. Uh, Marines begin gearing up. Uh, Drake and Vasquez get the spark guns, which are awesome fucking guns in the game. Oh, yeah. they're Every, they're awesome everyone... guns in the movie, and they there's a cool story behind this this smart gun that I want to talk about, which is that they sure. needed the to massive do like one that Vasquez is lugging around. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and Drake and like they Drake and Vasquez have these the big long ass guns that's on the gyro that yeah. attaches to their hip. Yes, the the smart guns are. Freaking amazing. They're amazing, right? They're these heavy machine guns. So they needed like some kind of like man portable machine gun, like an LMG that these guys could carry around, these Marines could carry around as like a heavy weapon, like a heavy squad weapon. And they were like, well, how can we make this look more futuristic? Like as a behind the scenes thing, they're like, how can we make this look more futuristic? Mm-hmm. They made, you know, the pulse rifle is like they took a real shotgun and they built up a bunch of stuff around it. And with the with the um the rifle, the machine gun, they did something similar, but they need were like, oh, what else can we do? And they saw a dude working on set and he had a camera rigged up to a thing like that so the gyro piece 
is a camera harness. And it's a camera harness for getting like smooth <laughs> panning shots with a camera. Yep. Oh, and um, it's a piece of like film equipment. And so what they did was they just built like a little piece to attach the gun instead of the camera. And then they were just like, yeah, strap it to these guys. That looks futuristic enough. Let's do it. Which is awesome, right? That's cool. Yeah, it's effective. And which which goes in line with the whole design of the smart gun, because the way that the smart gun works is it has auto targeting Mm -hmm. and it has a full up HUD display on it. So it would make sense that it's got a gyro on it to keep it steady and help adjust it to wherever it needs to go whenever anything is in the, you know, 90 to 100 degree arc in front of the barrel of the gun. So it can just move where needed. Right. And like, you know, talk about like keeping it steady, right? Like keeping the weapon steady and you're aiming up and down and like they, they can they can arc it like up and down and all around in 360 mm-hmm. or I think it's a 180, but it's still cool. It's very, it's impressive. I did not know that. That's a cool practical yeah. uh, application. Um, so all Marines, they grab all their stuff. We load into the APC, we get in the dropship. Um which looks badass once we get down into the um, into the atmosphere and it just opens up the weapons and the wings. Again, something that I wish we get to see open up and actually unload everything that it's got just to see the, the power yeah. of the dropship. They should have. They should have nuked it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. <laughs> I say we take off and nuke the entire site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. The only way to be sure. So uh, they drop down, they, uh, they get the APC off the dropship, dropship immediately takes off, uh, they get over to Hadley's Hope to, um, uh, where are they, they're at the, the control, whatever they call it, all the Marines get out, they disperse, Team 1 gets inside, Team Two's waiting by the other door, and then we see inside Hadley's Hope has been wrecked, there are holes everywhere, um, they see signs of small arms fire, explosives, um, they've got, uh, they've got their improved motion trackers much better than the hobbled together POS that no one could read in the original movie, which these play a massive part in the games of AVP. They're so cool. Very handy. They're so cool. Yeah. That motion tracker is so awesome. I, it's such a cool design and such a cool idea. And I, you know, I love, I love the design of that thing. I love the look of it. I love the idea of like being able to see movement that was like groundbreaking at the time, and I still don't know if we have something that will do that. <laughs> I can tell you that so many times in the game that while I'm playing and you just hear the boop, 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 it makes you pucker yeah. because you're not <laughs> expecting that. You're going, uh oh. Oh, something. Oh, there's like eight of these things. Oh, no. Yeah. So as they're looking around, Hicks finds holes that are made of acid. And now people are looking at Ripley going, oh, shit maybe there's actually something to her story because she talked about the face huggers, talk about how it implanted the parasite, talked about how their blood is acid and everyone laughed it off. And as they're continuing along more and more, they're going, Oh, all right. She may know what she's talking about. Yeah. I mean, they're seeing firsthand, you know, Mm -hmm. we get to that scene in the lab and like, Oh my God, those things are freaky. (laughs) Yeah. So good. They, uh, Gorman, Burke, and Ripley finally come in to uh, to check the the computer in ops. Um, they find no bodies anywhere, and then when they go into the medical room or the science room, that's where they find all the face huggers. And then everyone again looks at Ripley, going, "Holy shit!" And we find out that two of them are alive. The rest have all died, 
and at least one and then Bishop is checking the notes and at least one of the subjects was killed when they took the um the facehugger off of it. So they were more concerned about protecting the specimen than the person, which tells you, okay, the, this is again, they're under company instructions at this point. Yeah, and that's like such a scary bit, like with all of those, and for Ripley especially, because like, and for the yeah. audience, I think, because after watching one and seeing what one of these things did to like the entire ship, like one facehugger wiped out this entire crew and like she barely escaped with her life by luck and like extreme grit and the captain died, everybody died, right? And so to see like, yep. we've got a we got a bunch of these here. Like suddenly these Marines are looking less and less impressive. You know, the one, the one thing, the one argue argument you can make is that, all right, the Marines are here looking for them with weapons. And in the first one, we didn't know what we were dealing with. We had makeshift flamethrowers, a cattle prod and a motion tracker or two. And that was it. Right. So but they're you, relying on. They're giving you false sense of security in aliens. Sure. But at the same time, like they're reliant on her intelligence to do this. Right. And like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't get the impression from her that she ever feels comfortable with these Marines versus the alien. No, no, she doesn't. Because even at one point when Gorman says, all right, ops is secure. We're going in. Ripley says, it's not secure. What the fuck yeah. are you talking about? And he's like, no, it's fine. We're good. And nobody really wants to listen to her and take her seriously. Um, so while they are um, still combing through uh, the science science office, um, they get a motion. The motion uh, detector starts going off behind them. And they know it's nobody from their crew. So yeah. lo and behold, they track it down. And we find out that it's Newt. And that she's been running around through the different air ducts. And Ripley eventually finds her in her little her little nook that she was hiding in and they bring her back to the others. And Newt, you know, from everything that she's gone through, this, this poor girl is going to need years of counseling. And she's also just as smart or, or I shouldn't say just as smart. She's on the same wavelength as Ripley because Ripley's trying to talk her into, well, don't you want to stay here and be, don't you feel safe with us? No, yeah, (laughs) I don't feel safe with you. (laughs) I was safer by myself. Yep. You make too much noise, your food, no. And I really like so, this this pairing because uh, we established early on that uh, Ripley had a daughter who was, had passed away by the time she came out of cryosleep. She was an old woman by then. Uh, yes, and, and so, she died two two years before Ripley was found. Yeah. And I forgot, I forgot about that because, again, I don't think that was in at least the detail that was given was not in the theatrical release. That's crazy because it, it adds special... so much more to the yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, because Newt's yeah, like Burke, the age that, she, her... that her daughter was the last time she saw her roughly, when right? she left, yeah. Yeah. And she was only supposed to be gone for however long and turned into, yeah, 57 years. Um, which uh, which there is a fun, from what I've been told, there is a fun uh, game you can go play where you, you play Ripley's daughter and maybe an alien or two. Oh, yes. Alien Isolation. That's right. <laughs> I have played that game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Zach, what are you talking about? Oh, wait, no, I've played that. Yeah. So the Marines currently are looking for the personal data transmitters. Every colonist has some, and they're like, all right, if we can find them, we can find out where the colonists are, because nobody's here. 
and Newt really isn't talking. She's not really giving up much information. Uh, she is able, able to finally make a connection. Ripley and Newt are finally able to make a connection. And she finds out that everyone's dead. Everyone's dead. Newt doesn't want to be there. She doesn't feel safe. Bishop is dissecting the facehuggers, which I'm always amazed that when they're when they were dissecting the facehugger in Alien and in Aliens, they have their face right up in it, poking yeah. at it, where it's full of acid, blood. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I I'm just waiting for the day that someone cuts the wrong thing and just gets a face full of acid. Right. Yeah, it's like you're just waiting for the thing to move, right? <laughs> Hudson then um, finds the colonists. They're all over in the processing plant sublevels. Um, they make reference to how it looks like a town meeting because everybody's there. So the team says, all right, we're just going to go get them. And off they go, leaving, I think, Bishop and two of the Marines um, to fly the, uh, the drop ship. They're hanging out there. The APC heads out. They make their way into the processing plant. And while they're going through the processing plant, they notice that it's starting to be changed into some sort of hive, which we we didn't see in the original film, but it was in that deleted scene. I think Eric, you were mentioning oh, okay. with Mike last time that there was a um, there actually was a, a cocoon in the first. Yeah, film. that's right. Yeah, so that was um, that was only in uh, the director's cut from the Ridley Scott movie. Um, yeah, which I didn't. I, I've only. Well, I only remember the director's cut of that one, so I was kind of surprised to hear that that wasn't in the regular version. Um, but yeah, so they, I guess that scene was cut, but they use it to great effect here, you know? They do. They do. I went and went back and found that deleted scene after you guys talked about it, and it brings on, it, that's a whole other aspect of the evolution of how these aliens exist and procreate yep. uh, and reproduce. Um, so... Ripley points out to uh, Gorman that as the team is making their way down into the processing plant that um, they probably shouldn't use their guns because they are, uh, if there is a firework, a firefight, it would end in a thermonuclear explosion, which is bad. So Gorman is, this is also Gorman's second actual live military Action. Right, that's a great um, scene too. Or like, how many drops? Like, so, you know, whatever, twenty-seven simulated. How many combat yeah. drops? And two, <laughs> two, two, including this one. Including this one. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Gorman. Gorman is a newbie. He's a green with actually commanding a team. Which, why I, I don't know. Probably the company chose him because he wasn't going to ask questions. He was just going to yeah, follow rules. Yeah, exactly. So Ripley and Burke both point that out to Gorman and Gorman says oh that's just great he radios down to Apone who is sergeant in in charge of the uh, the team who when you're talking about Halo that's be... that's that's the sergeant from Halo right like that's literally yeah with down to the cigar in his mouth that's the sergeant from Halo yeah <laughs> exactly mm-hmm. that he says there look no rifles um we can only use fire and small arms flame only and uh, what but uh, in my mind, when the when the Marines are going, what the fuck? Gorman should have said, this is why. He doesn't say yeah. why. He's just like, yeah, don't use your rifles. Just use small arms fire, which is pistols, shotgun, and flamethrowers. Would have been useful to tell them why you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that Vasquez doesn't give it up either. She, like, hides the ammo. <laughs> she, like, <laughs> they, her and Drake, like, stash magazines. Because... 
Apone collects all of the magazines. So it's not like they, it's mm-hmm. like not only should they not shoot, but they can't because he takes all of their ammo and he holds onto it and he disappears immediately <laughs> when things start going which, bad. Which makes no sense whatsoever. No. Do you have, you have no control over your team that you don't trust them to not fire their fucking weapons, that you have to take their ammo? Which then begs a second <sighs> question. If you have taken the ammo from the smart guns, why do you still have the smart guns in the lead? Why did you carry them? Why are you guys carrying these things around? At this point, why exactly. why are they there? Because you've, you're you supposed to take them away. Anyways, so... <laughs> um, they begin finding bodies that uh, have been cocooned and have been chestburst, uh, which, again, everyone goes, holy shit, this is lining up with what Ripley has been saying. They finally find a woman who's alive, but she's asking to be killed immediately. Yeah. And then that, within, that was unsettling. <laughs> within 30 seconds. I remember watching seconds, that at seven years old, and that haunted me for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Within within a matter of seconds, um, a chestburster rips out in front of the entire team. This one, I think, uh, Eric, you mentioned in Alien that the two chestbursters are a little bit different. This one actually has arms on it. Mm, yeah. So they uh, they immediately start burning it, which results in the entire hive waking up. The team goes to infrared, which you would think, all right, we'll be able to see them moving, but nothing shows up. Um, and then three Marines are killed immediately, either by aliens or friendly fire oh man man this whole sequence is great because uh the walls start moving like you realize that they're part of the environment yes they're everywhere (laughs) yes that was something they did with the first movie but they double down on it for this one in the best way possible um Mm -hmm. and yeah i just love it it's so effective going back to what you were talking about with predator right we see the predator we see the, the the special forces in predator like kicking ass and then when the predator starts killing them it's scary because like oh what's more badass than than jesse ventura <laughs> oh shoot what's happening here um but with exactly. this one these guys are it's it's reinforcing that same thing oh it's a bug hunt whatever we got this we're awesome two seconds into the combat the badass cigar chomping sergeant <laughs> is gone <laughs> And they're yeah. bar- they're setting each other on fire with flamethrowers, and they're all panicking yep. and trying to run away. Everyone's pissing their pants, right? And so instead of it being like, "Oh shit!" Like this predator's kicking these badass dudes' asses. What what are we gonna do? It's just like, "Oh shit!" These Marines are really not prepared for this. This is going. We knew it was gonna go bad. We really didn't expect it to go this bad. Game over, man. Game, Game over. over. Well, that's great. That's just fucking great, man. Now what the fuck are we supposed to do? We're some real pretty shit now, man. You finished. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Yeah, another <laughs> another fun quote. Um, so as this is all happening, uh, Marines are dropping like flies. Gorman is trying to talk to Apone, trying to give him instructions. Apone can't hear shit, and then he gets dragged away. Gorman is losing his fucking mind because he doesn't know what to do. Ripley's trying to say, pull them out, and he his mentally, he Gorman is shutting down. So Ripley says, fuck it, I'm going to take control. Yeah. Puts Newton in a chair and takes off with the APC to um, <laughs> to go rescue the, the, the Marines. Um, we keep cutting back and forth between Ripley, Burke, and Gorman making their way down to get them. The Marines being picked off one by one. Um, also, Vasquez and Drake have opened fire with the smart guns. We are seeing that th- these guns are, when they are able to hit the aliens, they are just blowing them to pieces. And yeah. Just, yeah. Turning them to just acid and dust. During the escape, 
right when they get to the APC, um, Drake, unfortunately, is sprayed with acid while he has a flamethrower um, and accidentally lights the APC on fire. Um, they then take off. Ripley does the amazing brake maneuver from the alien that was catching a ride and runs runs its ass over. <laughs> Gets him outside, and then we learn that you know during the rescue, because Ripley was so aggressive with the APC, she blew the transaxle. And so... The APC is now uh, ruined and uh, comes to a halt. And we go, all right, well, fuck it. There's like three Marines left. We've got to go. <laughs> it's Hicks, Hudson, and Vasquez. I think that's it. And Gorman got knocked out. So three Marines and your commander. So they say, all right, well, time to get the airship. Time to go. And they radio back and, and says, hey, we, um, we got to head on out. And while they're waiting for, or right before they radio for that, we learn that, oh, Apone and the other Marines are still alive. Vasquez wants to go back in because she's a badass. Hudson's saying, fuck that. I'm not going back in there. <laughs> Ripley points out that doesn't matter. You go in there. You can't help them. They've already been cocooned. They're, they're already going to be face hugged. They're screwed. What a creepy design for those things, too, man. Oh, what a scary so fucking creature. Up. It's like, right? it's, yep. <laughs> I think it's got more. Does it? Is that eight or eight or ten legs? I think it has, might have ten legs. It's got the the tail that wraps around your neck, like the, the design of it. It's mm-hmm. like the creepiest shit I've ever seen in my whole life. And I don't know if I was just traumatized at age seven by these, but like, as far as like monster designs go, I find the the, the face hugger to be extremely unsettling. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, I think definitely it was designed to be. Yeah. That's that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> she suggests uh, Ripley suggests, hey, this is where we gotta take off and nuke the entire site by orbit because it's the only way to be sure. Burke is starting to show his cards that he's like, no, you can't really do that. You, you know, there's a, there's a lot of money invested here and we, and all, and then he plays the card of, um, Fucking we capitalism. can't just make, we, we can't just wipe out an alien species. <laughs> Who are we to, to do that? Which Ripley and everyone's going, are you, Fucking. <laughs> there's They're a reason why you, there's a reason why you left Paul Reiser out when you were listing like the assets available to the Marines, the Colonial Marines <laughs> on planet. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and I like Paul Reiser, but this is, he played a good company douche. Canoe. He does he did the thing he needed to do in this movie, and he was the character he needed to be. And you hated him, and yep. you liked him, and you weren't sure about him, and then you then you hated. He was he's perfect for this role. Uh, I don't have mm-hmm. any bad things to say about Paul Reiser in this movie. He did a great job, but I also don't don't uh, I don't I don't like Burke in hand to hand combat against these aliens. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. So um, so he is so Burke's going. No, I won't let you do that. And and Ripley uh, conveniently points out, well, guess what? You're not in charge. This is a military operation. So Corporal Hicks is technically in charge. And Hicks says, yeah, let's nuke it from orbit. And then we call. And then we call the bird to come on over. And as they're beginning to take <laughs> off, um, our co-pilot goes to jump in the uh, the airship. And he notices, oh, we got something sticky here. It's a sticky wicket. And they don't care. They're all right, well, we're taking off anyway. So yeah, the airship that's not takes sus off. at all. Yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. Airship takes off on its way over. Um, we get <laughs> our pilot is killed. Um and the airship crashes, lands in the into the um, uh, whatever terraforming plant. Massive explosion. Somehow doesn't kill Gorman. It like rolls over Gorman. Um, <laughs> he's fine. 
And then we get Hudson losing his shit again, going, game over, man, game over. Which is great. What the fuck are we gonna do now? What are we gonna do? Maybe we could build a fire, sing a couple of songs, huh? Why don't we try that? Bill Paxton's oh, awesome, yeah. and he's great in this movie, and he's... A, he was awesome in everything. He, he's the epitome of what I've been talking about, of, like, overconfident douchebag, just, like, realizing <laughs> I'm not equipped to handle this. Uh, yeah. Nope. Yes. Mentally, physically, I'm I'm not. And he... Uh, what I love what they do is with the, with the Marines that they do, uh, you're able to develop and give them character. They are distinctly different. Yeah. Each one of them mm. is different with their strengths and weaknesses of who they are and what they can do. Um, which, of course, things like this make me, it begs the question. I know why they left the um, the door open on the airship, because you needed to take mm. away the airship or else there wouldn't be a movie. But from a practical standpoint, <laughs> it makes no sense. Yeah. You're on an alien planet. You know there are tentatively, a th- there's a threat somewhere on this planet, <laughs> and we don't know where the colonists are. We probably shouldn't leave our doors unlocked. We probably shouldn't leave our vehicles wide open. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking of the Marines, though, um, Michael Bean is is great in this. Uh, for those that don't know, he's the guy that plays Kyle Reese in The Terminator, the first one. Yes. But yeah, just shout out to that guy. He is so good in this role. He's amazing. I, I think he's great. Uh, he's great in this. He's great in Terminator. He was great in The yeah. Rock. He was the like the Navy SEAL commander oh, in The right. Rock. Uh, yep. Yeah. He was great in short, short part in the rock but yeah, i love yeah him. he's so I liked underrated Blood dragon the far cry one when the set in the 80s he's he's the voice of the guy <laughs> yeah. from, he's the voice of he the is, commando in, in far cry blood That's dragon amazing. <laughs> they made such a big deal out of that too it's like guess who we got to do the voice and you go oh shit cool that is cool <laughs> yeah he's great I, I think he's awesome I, I always really liked him i like his character i like that he he lives because he's the only one who realized he's in over his head, right? He lived because yep. he was the one who was like, Ripley, maybe you're not dumb. Maybe I should listen to you and let's just do what you say. And this is the moment where he <laughs> decides that. But like for the rest of the movie, he kind of is like, all right, I can shoot. But like, why don't you run the thing? Because you know what you're doing. Everybody else kind of thinks mm. they know better than him and they all know better than Ripley and they all die. Exactly. So uh, Newt makes reference to, hey, we should probably get inside because it's going to be dark soon. And they mostly come out at night. Mostly. We better get back because it'll be dark soon. And they mostly come at night. Mostly. So we make our way back to uh, to Ops. We've got we've to walk it. And I think this is all... I, they make reference to the automatic turret guns, which, again, I don't remember if we saw them in the theatrical version to this extent or if it was more of a director's special edition. But I know they make reference to what, what we have, which they don't have many weapons. They don't have much ammo. And the best thing that they had was the turret the turret guns. And now I've lost my space. <laughs> so as we're going through what we have left, um, the question then comes up, well, how long, you know, we can't transmit, we can't call for help, we can't radio down the second airship because that was on the APC and that got fucked um, during the rescue. How long is it going to take until we are pronounced overdue and i think hicks says about 17 days until possible rescue would be sent so whether that is 17 days until it's sent or 17 days until it arrives we don't really know they they don't have 48 hours let alone 17 days so whatever the scenario (laughs) is involving 17 days unless they're going to try to crawl around in the air ducts with newt like this is going to be a dicey dicey situation for them 
which exactly. which they're not going to be able to now because up until this point, Newt was probably surviving because the aliens weren't coming into the colony anymore. They were just there at the plant staying mm. warm because they grabbed everybody. Yeah. Now you've alerted them that you you have people here. And so now they're going to go out and grab them. Sending search so, parties or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And that's what they're going to do. So we continue to see Ripley taking charge. She's giving people projects and, and things to work on so they don't spiral out of control. <laughs> you know, ideally Hudson. You know, he's losing his mind. They come up with a plan of defense, uh, getting the sentry units up and running, repairing all the barricades, welding doors. Um, Hicks uh, gets, gets Ripley a nice little locator. This way he can find her in case she gets lost. Oh, oh young love. <laughs> she is probably like 200 years older than him, though, right? <laughs> With the cryosleep. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Maybe not that much, but she is quite a bit older than him at, at this point. Um, that's okay. That, you know... Same with Kyle Reese and Sarah Connor. That's fair, yeah. Kyle was negative something? That's so true. <laughs> how mm. does that work? That, well, we're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna mess with the temporal vortex or whatever any of that is. Not in this franchise. Not yet. Not yet. No. It's it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it'll be here before you know it. <laughs> Uh, Ripley brings Newt down to the med lab so she can get some rest. We, we see that Ripley and Newt begin to bond a little bit more, talking about their families and um, opening up about her daughter, Ripley's daughter, and how she is gone. And Ripley now gives the tracker to Newt for good luck. Um, Bishop begins relating his findings um, to, to the uh, Marines, to the crew, how they're being cocooned, how they're being uh, impregnated, and how they're building a, a new alien colony. So then the question comes up, which, you know, now that we've seen, we saw the eggs in Alien, it's like, well, where do the eggs come from? What is laying them? And Hudson, for all of his bitching and complaining, actually has a good suggestion, even though he's got the wrong type of bug. Um, He says it's like a bug hive. I think he says bees, and then Vasquez says, no, ants, that there's a queen somewhere that's controlling all these, which, what's more badass than a single ant well a big ass ant queen that can fuck you up yeah Mm And bees have queens too, right? But I guess it's a little different. They don't lay the, I don't know. But yeah, you gotta you gotta get the queen, and that that's what that was. That's I imagine like I don't have the the I never had the experience of like watching one and then watching two a couple years later. But to think like, oh shit, like I bet that was an awesome yeah. reveal of like fuck, like there's gotta be like a a queen of these, right? Like I didn't even think about that. And like one thing that. We've kind of yeah. talked a little bit about genre shift. And one thing that's interesting so far is that like one alien in the first one wiped out six or seven people and like was only yep. killed through like extreme luck and 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 skill. Um, and we've seen like a bunch of dead aliens already. We're only like halfway through this movie, but we've seen a, these things are getting blown away left and right. 
And it is an interesting genre shift, right? You know, you have to present like a bigger, badder mm-hmm. version of these things because the the big bad version of it is is getting blown away. But but I do like the genre shift. I do think it's interesting. But uh, yeah, one thing about this movie with that is like I, I can't think of a sequel that has a more dramatic shift in genre to the second one versus the first one. Terminator does, but, it, but not. It's still similar no. kind of movie. Yeah, I think Aliens does have a, a bigger shift. Uh, Terminator Two, I think, still ha- is closer to Terminator mm-hmm. than Aliens is close to Alien. Yeah. But I think it totally works. Like it feels natural, like a natural progression. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So at this point, Ripley has done some digging, and she confronts Burke that he was the one who gave specific instructions to preserve the facehuggers uh, being brought brought back. Um, because well, Bishop says, oh, yeah, no, I can't destroy these. That's what, you know, Burke wants them to be brought back. And she uh, she finds out that he was the one who sent the colonists to the ship because his sign-off is on the order that was uh, received by Hal. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. I, I had said it earlier, but, like, yeah, I forgot <laughs> that, that's, that they, they find that out. Yeah, so even even without, that's probably why they didn't put that first segment in because they felt, well, it's going to be exposed later and it kind of sums it up. Um, you don't need it, but I think it does add to the story. I, I don't think Adds it detracts context. from the movie. So Burke tries to backpedal and say, you know, look, it, it was just, you know, I didn't think there was anything there. I just, oh, you said there was. What? I don't know. He <laughs> He's again playing the company man. Um Ripley says that she's going to pretty much take him down and tell everybody what he's done and how he's responsible for all this. So now she's made an enemy. That should have been Um, the third movie, by the way. Like, why why the fuck is that not the third movie? (laughs) It bums me out. So at this point, alarms start going off, and they uh, they run down to ops, and they find out that the aliens have made their way down the um, the corridor that connects the plant to ops, and they had sealed the doors and had put down two auto turrets, which each had 500 bullets in them, uh, which they did not last long. The turrets went through all of their bullets, and then you can hear the aliens hitting the pressure door all the way up in ops, which is very impressive. That was a cool sequence, by the way. Just, yeah, like all the acid spraying and stuff as they're getting torn apart. Yep, but they're not stopping. They're no. just continuing to make their way down the hallway. Um, Bishop then gives them some other bad news that when the air, the air, the dropship uh, craft, let's try that again. When the <laughs> airship crashed, it uh, caused enough damage that the the atmosphere processor is going to explode in four hours. So. They don't have 17 days. They don't have 48 hours. They have less than four hours to get off the planet or everything's gone. Such so a good ticking when, clock, though. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. like the first one did something similar, but it was a self-destruct sequence. Uh, yep. Yeah, that's great. So then Ripley says, well, why don't we just get the other dropship? Um, but which also for me begs the question, why is no one up on the Sulaco? Why did you send the entire team <laughs> down to the to the planet and you don't have anyone just maintaining the ship just in case? You everyone's gone, autopilot, boop. We've never had anything go wrong. We're fine. <laughs> Sent 10 guys down so, to this colony. <laughs> that should be fine. 
If they all die, it's fine. In 17 days, someone will come out here and send out another 10 guys. The ship just turns around and goes home. Wailing Butani saves their $57 million and everybody's happy. <laughs> exactly. That's we don't why. have to give them health insurance anymore. It's fine. They pay out 10 grand to the families. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> they figure out that um, they can go out to the transmitter that's here at uh, Hadley's Hope. They can hook up uh, here. And they can call the other ship down, which nobody wants to be the one to go out there with the aliens crawling around. So Bishop says, yeah, fuck it. I'll go do it. I'm the only one qualified to fly it anyway. So you technically need me to go do it. So um, they cut a hole in like a, I don't know, a random tube yeah. for him to crawl through. The most through. claustrophobic um, tube ever made. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's big enough. It's just barely big enough for a human to fit inside. of. They give him He's the He's like um, worming his way through, yeah. too. It's, oh, yeah. I can't however, imagine. It's so uncomfortable just watching it. No. No. It, I have claustrophobia. I would not be able to do that. And I they would sealed the him out. inside. I mean, I know he's an android, yeah. so, you know, but still... <laughs> Yeah, well, this so nothing would come up behind him and bite him in the ass. Um, <laughs> so he says it'll take roughly three hours to crawl out there, patch into the transmitter, call down the ship. And it's like, all right, well, that, that should give us enough time. Um, so then we find out that the aliens have made it to the second round of auto turrets, and they're continuing to blow them to pieces. And at, at, right at the point when, there are, when the Marines are about to run out with their guns, it stops at 10, 10 bullets, and that's it, which... Ripley says, look, they're not going to come this way again. They were testing it, and by their... They don't know that we only have 10 bullets. They're going to look for another way in. So we need to figure figure out what we're going to do. So then Hicks and Ripley continue to flirt and bond while he teaches her how to pull the trigger on a, on a gun. Um, she wants to learn everything about the pulse rifle. So then she takes one to go check on Newt, and she finds her that she's curled up under the bed because that's where she feels safe. Uh, Bishop makes it to the transmitter. He's realigning the commu- uh, the me- communication dish with the Sulacos to get the second drop ship. Uh, we then jump back to Ripley. She wakes up, and she notices that the test tubes that had the two face huggers are on the floor. God, that seems empty. creepy. Oh, it's so creepy. Because <laughs> it, it was also just moving. That's right when she wakes up is whoop, just right when it turns, and you're going, oh, shit. So she reaches up onto the bed where the pulse rifle was, and it's gone. So you know at this point, it's like, those didn't just fall over accidentally. Someone came in, took the pulse rifle, and put the tubes on the floor so that these things would crawl out. Ripley and, uh, and Newt are trying to get out. They can't, so she says, fuck it. We'll, um, we'll set off the fire alarm. They'll have to come get us because they don't see us on the cameras. Right after she does that, the facehuggers, and they do a good job making these things mobile and creepy oh as all God, hell. Oh, my God, so creepy. Yeah. Coming along the floor, jumping up on on Ripley, and you get to actually see a bit more of how they actually attack people because in the first film we just kind of saw it jump on the on the helmet. Yeah, you pretty much saw it after the fact. Yeah. So this way you're going, oh, you put your arms up, you're all set, which Ripley does, but then the face hugger responds by going, well, I'm just going to wrap my tail around your throat <laughs> until you pass out, and then I'll face hug you. So <laughs> yeah, Hicks and everybody. Runs down to medical. Uh, they're able to bust in. Hudson fires so many bullets at this one face hugger that's attacking dude. Like, he must go through a clip. Um, I don't know. Those pulse rifles have the 99-round magazine, so... <laughs> that's right. <laughs> 
I, he went through a lot more than he needed to. <laughs> and then Hicks and uh, Gorman get the one off uh, off Ripley. Vasquez is ready. They shoot that one, and Vasquez kills it in like three bullets. She is clearly the marksman and far better at uh, bullet management than Hudson. Hudson just like, whoop, pew, pew. <laughs> I'm a cowboy. Uh, let's see. So then after afterwards, Ripley reveals the uh, the plan that Burke set this all up. How? Why would he do this? It makes no sense. Well, if he couldn't get the facehuggers in, he could impregnate two people, and that's how we'd sneak it in. That uh, they put him in cryo sleep, they'd get him in. He would cause the other cryo tubes to malfunction, jettison them into space, make up any any reason that they wanted to to get rid of him, and it would just be him and Ripley and Newt and aliens, and that's all it would be. So. Hicks makes the executive decision that, oh, well, we're just going to kill him because he's not worth <laughs> worth the, the threat, which Ripley is not in favor for. But right at that point, we lose power. And that's a whole other turn to, all right, they found a way in and they've cut power, which begs the question, are are the aliens smart enough to do that? Or did, yeah. did that just happen when they broke in? Yeah, and, and I think Hudson says it where he's like, how can they cut the power? They're, they're insects, right? Maybe they're not. Mm-hmm. Maybe there is some intelligence uh, to them after all. I tend to think that it's the it's the queen, right? Like the it's a hive mind kind of thing. Maybe I think canonically within the novels and everything else, it is a hive mind kind of run by the queen, and she is like does kind of learn stuff and grow and shape the hive as it moves. Um, none of that's really explored here, but that is like over the lore that followed this movie eventually yeah. kind of became the, the, the canon. Much like the, the lore that continued to evolve from alien to aliens, it continues to go in in the further, you know, the, the books and the comics mm-hmm. much better than the other two movies did. Yeah. yeah. So Hudson and Vasquez go out with the motion trackers, and then we figure out, oh, they are inside. We've missed something. They're here. So they get back into... Um, ops and then they figure out okay well they're within the barricade okay now they're outside the door now they're inside yeah. the door where, where the hell are That's they and then you man. get that and then you get the creepy thing of everyone like looking up going holy shit <laughs> they're, they're they're this is just a drop ceiling why didn't we think of this and then hicks pops his heads up a head up and there they are crawling along Ready to go and all hell breaks. Crawling through the ventilation ducts. I love that one. It's like 10 meters, 8 meters. It's like, that's impossible. That's inside the room. Dude, that's inside the room. (laughs) You peek up and you're looking at them and they're all backlit because the 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 uh the power's out so it's all the red light for this scene and red lighting you know they're like that shot of him like of it's like peeking up through the grate and you see just the whole vent is full of these (laughs) things crawling and moving towards him it's so creepy and it's so good. And I want to call yeah. out for a second. Um, this the director of photography on this movie was a guy named Adrian Biddle. Uh, he was this was his first movie as like a director of photography. So he was like a a champion oh, wow. swimmer who ended up doing. He got his start doing underwater photography for his first movie was on His Majesty's Secret Service. So we can tie in it's like nuts. a podcasters oh, yeah. assemble thing. He did some of the underwater filming for Majesty's Secret Service, which is the um, the George Lazenby's Bond. Um, That's right, and then the he, one and only, <laughs> right? And then he did some other stuff. This was his first director of uh, 
of photography, cinematography kind of role um, as the head guy. But then within the next couple of years, he does The Princess Bride, Willow. He gets nominated for an Oscar for Thelma and Louise. He did oh, wow. um, Event Horizon, which tracks, right? He did that The Mummy. Sense. He did The World Is Not Enough, which is the one of the Brosnan Bond movies. That's right. Um, yep. Reign of Fire, which is a movie that randomly I really like. He did V for Vendetta, <laughs> and he did, for some reason, the second good. Bridget Jones movie, but not the first. I don't know where that one comes from, but he did that also. That's interesting. And, uh, yeah, really good work Just by him. Just need the paycheck he, that year. He really, uh, I think he really crushed it with this, like the the way, you know, what we were talking about where, like, the, the creatures could have looked cheesy and rubbery and styrofoamy, and the sets could have looked funny or weird, but, like, the way that they shot this, it just a lot of the monster is always kind of in shadow and it's just like being able to film like the shadows crawling is not an easy shot to get mm-hmm. right to have these things backlit yeah. but you can still see them and they look wet like all of that is amazing from like a filmmaking perspective oh for sure and it still holds up absolutely you know years and holds years up it doesn't like look crazy. like you know even 10 years after this it's all shitty cg right it's all that uncanny valley cgi exactly. where it looks it doesn't yeah. it doesn't hold up but this old stuff, these practical effects, like trying to like make the camera do the thing you want it to do while you have, you know, no, no ability to manipulate it digitally. This is awesome. He did a great job with this. And, and everybody on this production did, did an amazing job making this look very real enough that you never at any point think you're looking at a model or a set or a, I'm watching a movie. So as all hell is breaking loose, uh, Burke escapes, locks everybody out of medical. Uh, we lose Hudson. He gets pulled down through the floor um, while he's just going to town on the alien. I love that too. Where he's just uh, like, we get fuck to see- you, fuck you. Yeah, you want some? <laughs> you want some too? Oh, it's yeah. It's eating him. Oh, he's yeah. like, fuck you. Hicks, help me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, we get to see the grenade launcher in use. Vasquez uh, use it and blows up a few of the aliens. Um, we see that Burke runs into an alien, and we are believed that he is uh, then killed. Uh, Newt. Newt then suggests that we start using the air vents because they're just going to pound through the doors eventually. So <coughs> let's start going this way. And Newt knows the way to the um, to the airfield some for some reason. So she's leading them. Uh, while we're crawling through the air vents, uh, aliens are making their way through. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Vasquez is jumped by an alien. Um, she's hit by the acid, and Gorman goes back to um, to get her. But then, uh, then they're cut off from an alien that comes through the other vent, and Gorman is using his pistol, which we see that pistols are not that effective. That the aliens are just shrugging off these bullets. It needs to be a pulse rifle or an actual rifle to make uh, a difference. And yeah, the one that wounds so. Vasquez, like we see her put eight rounds. We, she puts the whole magazine of her forty-five like directly into its head from point blank range, yeah. and it's still like kicking, kicking. Yeah, so. After uh, after they're both uh, Gorman and Vasquez figure out, well, we're fucked. Um, I uh, Gorman has a grenade and goes, well, this is how we're going to go out. And Vasquez and him blow it up together, saying that he always was an asshole, even though she's only known him for like a day. Yeah. And I like that. Right. Because uh, Gorman has kind of Gorman's not evil like Burke is. Right. He's not. No. He's he's, he's just inexperienced. He's just incompetent, and she was she was yeah. with that. She's kind of saying like, "All right, you know, well, you're, you're, with, an, you're asshole, an asshole, but I but respect like, we're you. We're gonna die together, and let's this do is it. what yeah. we're doing. Yeah, we're gonna die together. We're gonna take out a bunch of yeah. these things. I love Vasquez. So I think de- she's such they- an awesome character. I think she's like a very like for me. She's like one of the most 
badass female characters of like the 20th century right like uh, in any kind of pop culture anything i love her as a character i looked up the actress to see if she'd done anything else and weirdly she is she is the uh, the mom in Terminator Two, the, the John Connor's foster mom. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah. she is. Which that I, is blew true. my yeah. mind when I when I learned that like two weeks ago. Very different character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the grenade goes off, um, killing Vasquez and Gorman. It unfortunately knocks Newt down into the sewers, but Newt has a tracker. So Hicks and Ripley, they're all that's left. They go chasing after to find her, but right before they can get to her, an alien uh, captures her. And takes her away. So uh, Hicks says, look, we got to go. We will go find her, but we've got to go now. While they are escaping into the elevator, uh, they're attacked by one final alien, which uh, Hicks shoots, but explodes acid all over him, Mm -hmm. which luckily he had his combat armor, which stopped most of it, but still scars his face, chest, and a little bit more. Yeah, 12 gauge in the mouth. Eat this. (laughs) Eat this. I love the 12 gauge. So uh, we find Bishop. He's landing the second airship. Uh, Ripley and Hicks gets up there. He says, we got plenty of time. We got 26 minutes. And Ripley goes, yeah, we're not leaving. And Bishop goes, we're not? <laughs> what? So at this point, Ripley is going mama bear. Yeah. Uh, she's getting she's getting gaffer's tape. She's putting a pulse rifle and a flamethrower together. And these are all brand new. Uh, you know, because they're coming off the new airdrop ship. So full, full pulse rifle, full... Um, flamethrower uh she grabs a shit ton of grenades for the pulse rifle doesn't grab any more bullets unfortunately i don't know why um <laughs> for plot she, uh, she lands she lands or bishop lands and says all right we've got about 15 minutes until everything goes to shit which at this point of the movie is real time yeah oh when really you, when you time it up yeah it was damn accurate at the i think there may only be a minute or so that's missing but from the 15 minute mark it counts down to uh, where it says again ten minutes, and we—I was just a little bit over ten minutes, and then I readjusted it ten minutes, and it timed out the rest of the. That's the so movie, That's awesome. At least for the explosion. I didn't know that. I was—I'm always curious when they say things like that. How accurate are you? Yeah, because uh, I just want to know. You know, especially when you get to that moment so i love Ripley. this whole sequence by the way everything about it works the acting the sound design the lighting all the mist and again mm-hmm. practical effects are where it's at and the character develop this is kind of the apotheosis of ellen ripley right where yes. ripley began in alien one she's not this like unstoppable murderous killing machine she is like no. another no. crew member like a forgettable member of the crew who like you assume is gonna die before anybody else like you think maybe captain she's dallas is gonna girl. man it is gonna be the guy to do the action hero yeah. thing and like she's kind of just this side character who doesn't really con- she's a, a technician she doesn't contribute that much and then it, by the end of that movie, she has, like, survived this harrowing experience and, like, barely survived with her life. And then she kind of goes through a similar, like, Sarah Connor transition of, like, but it finally yeah. ends here. Like, at the beginning of this movie, she's still kind of, like, this very damaged, very, like, you know, shaky person. I don't know if I want to do this. She goes with them. They don't even give her a gun. She's a little bit anxious about all of this. And then at the end, now she's got a thing to fight for. She's strapping a flamethrower to a freaking machine gun. She's, like, going to go in there with that armful of grenades. And, like, the change that from from when we first see her in Alien 1 to what we're seeing right now is very dramatic, but also so well done that it's very believable. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Even, it's even, gradual. Yeah. yeah. Even from the beginning of this right. film um, to where she is, it seems natural and believable, as you can with an alien film. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Ripley begins making her way down into the hive. She's leaving markers um, and flares so she knows her way back. Um, she's going down using the tracking bla- bracelet. Um, and actually, there is a deleted scene here, and I don't know if it was ever added back in to any of the uh, versions, but we actually see what happened to Burke and that he was not killed and that he was, in fact, brought down here and cocooned. Oh. And at this point has been, I believe, face-hugged or is about to be face-hugged uh, because he is asking Ripley for help, in which she doesn't even say anything to him. He just, you know, he's grabbing onto her, asking for help, and she just moves by him, hands him a grenade, <laughs> and then exits the screen. That's and then awesome. I think the next scene is she's actually uh, coming up to the tracker where that we find out Newt uh, dropped or came off of her. And in the background, they edited in the sound of an explosion, signifying that. I think Burke uh, chose to kill himself with the grenade. Wow, I don't remember that scene. Yeah, it's it's a del- it's a deleted scene, so it's probably not. I'm guessing that one was not on any of the editions. Uh, yeah. but I you didn't can go see watch it, in... it on YouTube. That's cool. Yeah, it's probably uh, the missing minute you were talking about from the 15 minute countdown. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, I, it wasn't on the special edition, so maybe it's on the director's edition. I don't. know. Corey would know. Yeah, Corey's... Corey would know. <laughs> Corey knows all the things. So Ripley finds the tra- the tracker that has fallen off Newt, and she begins to break down, going, you know, I, I'll never find her now. She's she's gone. And then we cut to Newt, who uh, is waking up in front of a facehugger, which then she screams, and Ripley is able to find her, runs in there, shoots the, the facehugger, uh, surprisingly not spraying Newt with a bunch of acid, <laughs> and is able, That's good. is able to save her. Uh, shoots a couple more aliens on their way out, and then we find ourselves in an egg chamber. And then as we the camera pans around, you hear this heavy, heavy breathing, and we see the queen um, that is slowly laying eggs from her little egg-laying satchel that she's got. And it is a very impressive puppet. Yes. Yeah. I think I read that like there's like multiple people operating this thing, like oh, different parts of it and stuff. There is. There's so many arms, legs, um, the mouth and the head. Uh, it took quite a few people to operate this. This yeah, um, it's got four arms, right? And mm-hmm. I it's love got big this arms. Design. It's got the small arms, massive tail. It's on a wire. Um, so. While she's there among all the eggs, there's two drones that are starting to come in towards her. And then Ripley goes, all right, well, I'm going to show you what this flamethrower does, which shows the intelligence of the queen, because as soon as Ripley shows her, the queen tells the drones to back off. And then Ripley's going, all right, well, at least this will give us a head start. So as she's backing out of the egg chamber, they make it almost all the way. And then an egg starts to open up. And Ripley gives, gives the queen that kind of, Oh, you didn't, did you? And then proceeds to burn the entire... I love it. I love the, the conversation that they have in this egg chamber, just all visually of like, mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to burn you. And then right before she leaves, she's like, actually, fuck you. <laughs> just burn everything. <laughs> and just torches I'm burn everything. all of these eggs. Which, yeah, she, she sprays them all. They're all burning. She then proceeds to the... Uh, 
continue firing her pulse rifle with the bullets and then follows up with a bunch of grenades blowing up the egg, uh, the egg laying part of the queen, um, the kind of the chamber. And then she chucks the rest of her grenades uh, that are on like a whatever, a ammo belt bandolier in there. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then it explodes everywhere, knocking the queen down into the fire. And then Ripley and uh, and Newt take off running. It's which the Queen is then pissed off, yeah, and proceeds to chase after them. Yeah, it's pretty satisfying that whole sequence. <laughs> yeah, you're just like you see yep. the Queen, you're like, oh shit! And then when she detaches from the egg sack thing, and it's yeah. just like starts to run, you're like, oh fuck, we, we got to run. Oh, yeah. It's just got worse and worse, yeah. and there's a nuclear explosion about to happen in t minus eight minutes. Exactly. Yeah. So she gets back to the elevators, but for some reason, the elevator didn't stay at the bottom and decided to go all the way back to the fucking top. I don't know why. (laughs) So then she's pressing the buttons for both of them. And right before the queen gets to him, she's able to get into the elevator that comes down. The queen said, I love the the idea that the queen sent a drone up there to push both the elevator (laughs) call buttons. Mm -hmm. How can they cut the power? How could they have summoned the elevator to the top floor? They're just holding the door There's open. There's an alien button. up there going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I never thought of it that way. Thank you. That's man. fantastic. So, so she has enough fuel to stave off the queen. They're able to get into the elevator and they get all the way to the top and they see that Bishop has left them. And so she thinks that, well, he left us behind. What an a-hole. He's fucking androids, right? never trust right? an android. Yeah. So then, uh, and then on top of the nuclear explosion coming, which is going to kill them both, right before we're going to be wiped out by a nuclear explosion, we see that the second elevator is coming up. So the queen, uh, I'm guessing, didn't even press buttons, that it was just an automatic thing. That's, that's what I'm taking it, is that the elevator comes down and then goes right back up for whatever reason. Because I don't think the queen like looked at the buttons and said, oh, she went here, and then I'm going up too. <laughs> Right when the queen is about to come out to get him, Bishop shows back up with the airship. They're able to jump on board. Um, and then uh, an explosion happens. The airship is kind of jostled and uh, they're able to get on, take off just in time for the nuclear explosion. And they barely make it out alive. And back on the Solakos, Bishop is explaining, you know, apologizing why he had to take off. You know, he's getting a little, getting a little shaky and, Ripley and Newt all exit the ship, and uh, Ripley says, you know what, it's okay. You, you did all right. And then there's a little bit of acid that drops next to Bishop because we have this false sense of security again, and then Bishop is impaled <laughs> by a massive fucking tail. And it's just so egregiously gruesome. Yeah. <laughs> he just gets ripped in half. And because he bleeds white, it's like not as gruesome as if like it was it was red. So you could just be like really dramatic with just the like white like blood just spraying <laughs> everywhere. It's like Yeah. It's still pretty unsettling. It was, it's awesome. Yeah, it's it is. so amazing, right? It's really good. <laughs> yeah. You're spraying milk in every which direction. And then we see that the, the queen hitched a ride uh, before the landing foot was able to retract up into the ship, which we know they can survive in space for a little bit of time. Yep. Um, so it is within the realm of reason that, all right, she stowed away and was fine. Those things are like tardigrades, so, man. They can survive anything. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but so this, Rip- this really leads to like easily one of the most iconic endings in movie history. I want to say easy. I think so. 
I mean, this is one of the ones that top like, ten, you, right? Yeah. Get away from her, you bitch! The uh, the queen's about to go after Newt. Ripley distracts her so Newt can hide. Ripley then runs behind a blast door, and then she's looking around, going, "All right, now what do I do?" Newt is crawling underneath the floor. The alien queen is getting closer and closer, and finally, when she's got Newt cornered, the blast door is open. We've got we've got Ripley in the power loader, and we get the iconic "Get away from her, you bitch," which really pisses off the queen. She does not like being called a bitch. <laughs> she might understand. There's a yeah. possibility that she knows how elevators work. There's a possibility that she understands. Get away from her, you bitch. <laughs> That's my headcanon. Yes. Especially the elevator yep. thing. What the fuck you just call me? <laughs> 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 you came into um, my so house and blew ba- up all my shit. <laughs> Exactly. I was just minding my own business laying eggs. You're the one that set everything on fire. You psycho. You nuked my house. We we should get like my house. the wicked version of this story where it's like from the alien queen's point of view. No, you just do you just do a recut of aliens and then you just dub in like a funny voice every time we see an alien. Like ouch. Ah, no, are you doing hey, that? Wait. Are we the bad oh, guys? I, I Chad, a, I got, hey, Chad, I got a we... wife and kids. Shit. <laughs> yeah. My fucking leg. Hey, who, hey who, are these, who are these guys down here with all these guns? Well, you want to invite them in? Maybe they want to Maybe they want to have some breakfast. Okay. Hey, Chad. You wanna, oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. They got guns. They got guns. Oh, that's great. <laughs> What's going on over anyway, here, you guys? So... <laughs> <laughs> they all have random accents. They all have random accents from all different places in the world. Yeah, for absolutely no reason. Oh no, Frenchie. <laughs> there's just one there's just one alien in the corner just screaming Steve over and over again for no reason. <laughs> so uh Ripley comes out in the power loader and we get the back and forth fight, which is which is impressive with between two giant puppets. Um yeah. uh between Ripley and the Queen. And Ripley then gets the idea, all right, well, I did it once before. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to shove you out an airlock. Yeah, there's there's one thing that I know works. <laughs> Let's try yeah. this. Airlocks. It's a Your even one bigger airlock this time. Yeah. Come on! So Ripley goes to drop the queen in, but the queen uh, grabs a hold and pulls the entire uh, loader down with her, uh, which is initially pinned uh, at the bottom. Ripley is able to get out, and as she's climbing, the queen is able to reach up and grab her. But conveniently, in this cargo lock airlock, um, you can open it from the inside for reasons. So Ripley sure. <laughs> opens the airlock <laughs> from inside the airlock, which of course causes a vacuum and everything starts to get sucked out. But uh, Ripley has above the average human strength is able to hang on to the ladder and the alien queen until she loses her shoe, pulls herself up all the way out of the airlock and then closes it. Um, superhuman strength. Yes. Very difficult, but, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm fine with this. Yes. Yeah, no, it totally works. I can, at this point, I'm going to overlook it. I'm just here for the ride. 
You know, the shark, you know, the air tank wouldn't ex- wouldn't explode like that. Doesn't matter. We've got them. Let's just go yeah. with it. And one, Blow up the shark. It's fine. One of the best uh, moments from this scene is where Newt is getting sucked out. And Bishop, who is only a torso at this yes. point, grabs hold grabs of her, her and saves her. It's just such a great moment. And it's like, oh, this android really isn't bad. And he's like, I got you. And he's just like bleeding everywhere. Like, <laughs> like I got you. <laughs> my, my robot yep. intestines hanging out of my torso. <laughs> exactly. Ripley gets up out of the airlock. She goes over to Newt. Um, I didn't realize this, uh, or maybe I forgot it. Newt calls her mommy uh, right when she goes over to her. Yeah. And I had to go back and and double check because I had closed captioning on. I went, yeah, she called Ripley mommy. Wow. Okay. Um, (laughs) And then Bishop and Ripley look at each other, and Bishop tells Ripley that, you know, she's not bad for a human. Then we fast forward, you know, a half hour, an hour. Ripley's putting Bishop and Hicks in the cryo sleep. She and Newt uh, crawl in their respective tubes and go to sleep on the Sulaco as it makes its way back towards Earth or Gateway Station or wherever the hell it's heading. And they all lived happily ever after because the third movie never happened. I've never seen the other two, so (laughs) as far as I'm concerned, this is where the story ends. I heard a little bit of spoilers for three, and I was like, nope. I don't think I want to yeah, watch it. That's a good that. stopping point. <laughs> so there are. And I that, that Terminator for me three... ends at two as well. So yes. Yeah. We're just going to end these franchises in 1987 or, or 1993, right I guess. Here. And that'll be the end of all of it. 1992. When did Alien 3 come yeah. out? So, yeah. so Alien 3 did do a good thing that it did bring it back to kind of a more horror sure. aspect. Yeah, there's definitely and some good I, things. Good aspects. There are of it. a few good things about it, but overall, um, I just it's did... not definitely not my favorite of the franchise. Cool. 1991. Yeah. That's when Terminator 2 came out, and Alien 3 was the next year. So if we end the, this entire continuity at 91, <laughs> and I'm okay putting Predator in there too. I haven't seen the new one yet. Well, I, I've heard it was really good, but oh, praise, amazing! I've heard it's really good. good. I haven't watched well, it. Yet. That's the best one out of all these movies. Oh, really? Definitely check it out. Yeah, it, it's that really is, freaking there good. There is a str- you can make a very strong argument that Prey is the best of that franchise, um, but you could still argue for the first one. You know, go listen to the other episode of podcast. I haven't because I want to watch it. The, the struggle is I'm trying to convince my wife to watch it with me, and she's like, "This is some uh, like nerd shit, right?" And I was like, "No, I think it's. I mean, it's about it's tr- time." Tr- traveling bounty hunter aliens but it's like it's not weird sci-fi it's not weird nerd shit 
I'm like, nah, I don't know about this. <laughs> <laughs> On a scale of one to five, Ben, how would you rate this? This film's a five for me. This film is, like you said, top five movies ever. I think it's great. It was great. I loved it. I was scared of it when I first saw it. I, I have loved it my entire life, and, uh, and it still holds up. It's one that, like, was like, oh, this was some of those ones you're like, this was my favorite movie growing up, and you show it to somebody, and it's, like, embarrassing. You're like, oh... I, I used to really like this. I don't know. It's not, it doesn't hold up. And if you weren't there, you're, you're never going to be able to explain to you why this was cool. But Aliens does not fit into that category. It is. It still holds up. It's still a great movie. And I still stand by it. For me, this is one of the best, uh, best action movies ever made, one of the best science fiction movies ever made, uh, if not the best in both those categories. All right. Eric? For me, it's neck and neck with the original. Um, I want to give it a 4.75. I think that's what I gave the last one. But yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. You're dinging its Uber rating. I would say from dropping its Uber rating down to a (laughs) (laughs) 4.9. I, I would have this right around a five. It's, you know, it's damn near perfect. I love going back to this film other than minor nitpicks here and there, but it's just to drive the story forward. I love it. Yeah, it's a it's a great film. Um, always entertaining. Um, and I can't, can't wait to show it to my kid when he gets old enough, not when he's yeah, seven. same, yeah. same. Yeah. And like, I think we should call <laughs> out that like it has two of like years. the greatest like female action heroes ever made, right? Between Vasquez oh, yeah. and Ripley, like those are two of the most mm-hmm. like like most believable, like most uh, like strong, powerful. Like I think both of those characters are fantastic, and uh, and that's, totally agree. That's rare for 1986. It's rare yeah, for today, exactly. but it's rare for 1986 It's rare for also. today, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. But yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to join us, Ben. This has been awesome. Yeah, we'll have awesome. to get you back on soon. And uh, hopefully mm-hmm. you can join in on our Indiana Jones season coming up. Oh, yeah. I will try to do that. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm always down. You you know how to find me. Uh, I love doing these things. So uh, <laughs> I'll keep bugging you. Awesome. That sounds great. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, guys. If you want to hear more from Ben, check out our Bond season of Podcasters Assemble as well as our disassembled Christmas special on Die Hard. And we'll hopefully be getting together once again for another episode of Epic Fails of History later this year to talk about some Vikings. Before we go, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to all of our patrons over on Patreon, including Prince Harming, Erica Carroll, Ryan McPherson, aka Frost from the Super Switch Club, Troidal Power, Zach Derby, and my awesome wife, Megan Slater. For just $3 a month, you can get access to tons of exclusive content, including bonus episodes, movie commentaries, blooper reels, early access to ad-free episodes, and so much more. In fact, next month we're doing a commentary track for the 90s Super Mario Bros. movie, just in time for this year's release of the new Super Mario Bros. animated movie. You can get access to all of that and so much more over at patreon.com slash podcastersassemble link in the show notes well until next time podcasters don't 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 go poking that egg don't do that don't stick your face in the egg game over man (laughs) don't stick your face in there game over (laughs) nuke it from orbit it's the only way to be sure wear a helmet (laughs) god do something take proper precautions yeah sorry (laughs) bye-bye This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at ProbablyWork for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com.